0: Hello legends, I hope that you're well. Now today's podcast is with Ivan. Now Ivan was a medic for the Russian military during the first part of Russia's special military operation on the invasion of Ukraine. I'm aware this video will be very controversial, but I think it is very interesting to talk about these different perspectives and how people see it on the other side. So thank you ivan for spending a couple of hours with me and thank you for you guys as well i really appreciate it and i'm absolutely open to receive any hate and you have it out in the comments so thank you very much enjoy ivan yeah we're good ivan thank you for joining me on the podcast i really
1: really do appreciate you reaching out
0: and be willing to you know speak to me openly and honesty and honestly and go over a few things can you just introduce yourself of who you are and, you know, how we came to meet?
1: Well, basically, my name is Ivan. <laughs> You've already mentioned that. I've been a medic for most of my adult life. <laughs> and when the special operation started, I decided that I should join in because, first of all, I'm a big patriot of my country. And secondly, well, basically, uh, I had to do it because there aren't much medics in any conflict on the world. And since, well, our boys were fighting the war, you see, I understood that I need to be there with my comrades, with my brothers in arms and help them out in medical terms. <laughs>
0: Right. So at what point in this conflict in, as you said, the special military operation, did you sign up? Was it from the beginning?
1: Well, basically, yeah. On the first day of the special military operation, I understood that, well, I was on my shift then. I was working in a reanimation in intensive therapy in an oncology center in Moscow basically it was morning when i learned that our forces started liberating our lands from the occupational ukrainian government <laughs> and i understood that i have to be there so right when my shift ended i went to the military commissar it's i don't know how it's called on english well basically a draft point, maybe Uh, the place where you sign up contracts or get drafted to serve in the military because in russia let me remind you it's a necessity for you to serve for one year i was serving one year myself in 2016 no 2017 2018 as part of the commandant battalion I was a medic there as well, basically, a paramedic. So, on the next day, from the war, I visited my local military commissar and told him that I want to volunteer. Well, he laughed at me at first, (laughs) told me, dude, uh, we don't need volunteers now, everything will be fine. Unfortunately for everybody, everything went not in the best way and basically on the uh, I don't quite remember on the 28th of February I got a call from my comrade and uh, basically he told me that dude we need volunteers <laughs> you've told me you were a medic come and join us well uh, after all of the bureaucracy hell That i went through (laughs) to sign up as a volunteer of the first uh, let's say of the first wave Uh, only on the 15th of march i was able to join my battalion right
0: and how was that when you first joined how was the feeling
1: Well, at that point, there were a lot of videos how Ukrainian uh, militants were treating our boys who got themselves as prisoners of war. I've seen a lot of guys getting tortured for nothing, and, well, that made me quite angry, of course, towards the enemy. On the other hand, I do understood that those guys were kind of trying to defend themselves, you see. They were brainwashed a lot, (laughs) and even more of them were basically just drug addicts who got their weaponry from the local military forces to defend their lands. Uh, The territorial defense, it was called as as far as I remember, Terra Barona. And pretty much a lot of those guys are basically just... Bandits, I think, because they didn't act like normal civil civil persons would in terms of an armed conflict. Um, I don't even remember such videos and uh, relations, Mm -hmm. angry relations towards our military from even the separatists that were fighting against the Russian federal government during the Chechen wars. I'm not even sure that a lot of ISIS militants were so aggressive towards prisoners of war. But that's another topic. I don't think we should discuss it anyways. (laughs) Uh, Well, basically when I got to my battalion well, things got rough. Already there were a few places of our front uh, where our forces got withdrawn. and we'll, basically everybody were understanding that this conflict will not end in a fast pace. It will not end in a month, maybe even in a half year. Somebody already understood that this military operation will be at least a year As we see it lasts for a year and a half. Am I right? Yeah Well, anyways, when I got to my unit uh, Absolutely, everybody already understood that this is a serious conflict and our Let's say opponents were not willing to surrender nor to stop fighting us. Basically, it's an honorable way, but quite unfortunately, um, quite unfortunately.
0: (laughs) Right. Why do you think in those beginning weeks that Russia seemed to have so much trouble against Ukraine in the fight? that it should have been by all means if you look at the numbers it should have been very easy for russia but russia got pushed back in so many fronts and even till today only occupies a a small percentage of ukrainian land
1: well first of all ukraine isn't small it's a huge country it has a lot of open spaces like steps and stuff you see and secondly mm, i'm more than sure that not a lot of uh, military personnel especially among the general it had understood how serious of a war it might be Uh, basically i'm more than sure that our commanders Uh, got intrigued by politicians and didn't quite understood their uh, first priority tasks and objects. Because, as much as I know, uh, just before the special operations started, uh, they didn't draft, they started a huge training on the border. Uh, using nearly all of the contractors they had in the military but they didn't told the contractors nor the usual Bob officer lieutenant that basically guys you're getting ready to start a full-scale battle in your nearest future Uh, for example a lot of my comrades we with which I immediately for the first time told me that they had left a lot of their gear at home because they were absolutely sure that those will be just regular trainings happening and nothing special will begin on the 24th of february On the other hand, that also tells us why a lot of uh, draftees, yeah, the boys who should have been drafted for a year, not professional military, got themselves in this sort of action. And afterwards, a lot of them will basically got traumatized by this war. I've seen those boys, especially those who got themselves in different not very good situations well yeah they weren't happy with (laughs) what kind of story they got themselves into
0: can you expand on what that story is
1: well the regular military stories you know when basically you get ambushed or you see that the locals dressed up like Typical civilians start uh, ringing their relatives or friends from the military, sending coordination points, and afterwards artillery starts working on your column. Basically, let's be serious. Yeah, When you see a civilian standing and doing a video how your column is going through a city, Well, you should at least stop that person and ask him, why the hell are you recording us, man? Don't do that. (laughs) And especially after you understand that uh, you get shot by artillery, you should connect one plus one and understand that, man, I think that dude was recording us to give the information and the intel to the local artillery. (laughs)
0: And why was it that you think there was so much of this incompetency seen on the ground? Was it the command? Was it
1: these guys weren't prepared? Uh, well, to be honest, I am thinking more that most military commanders were thinking that things will go as easy as it was in 2014 when we entered Crimea. And that's the first option, yeah? The second one is just basically <clears throat> the local Ukrainian forces who are just dressing up like civilians and just doing regular ambushes. Thirdly, I will remind you again that Ukraine is a huge country and if there is a group of people armed with people in your back well they will do everything to interrupt your infrastructure and without fresh oil gasoline and weaponry you won't be able to fight back or do any kind of maneuvers efficiently enough Uh, since a lot of uh, let's say professional teams were hiding While our columns were moving to strike back into their backs, Um, basically they just made the whole of the the operation a big mistake because of the fast movement. Uh, Because the both of us understand when you enter a city, basically, you need to look through every building, every floor every room to be sure that this place is safe to capture any kind of militants or other terrorists and basically uh, make your movements a lot safer. Well, we didn't do that (laughs) because who would have guessed that a lot of enemies will be in, in the back?
0: And then your supplies got hit in the columns from there.
1: Absolutely. So, what? The supply lines were cut off. Mm. That's the first reason why we withdrawed from a lot of territories. Not because we didn't have the man or the firepower, just because we needed it to uh, save our boys from being butchered or turning the whole place into a huge massacre.
0: Right. And at what point did you enter the war? At what point did you get onto the ground and with what units?
1: <laughs> I entered with, let's say, a tank division as a medic. I was mostly working in the hospital. Only afterwards, well, I had to do a lot of medical evacuations of injured and wounded boys. So basically, I was just a medic. And I was working in the Kharkov region. So I've seen a few battles. Not the best ones (laughs) for both of the sides, because basically during this war absolutely every battle is a massacre Uh, because of the huge deployment of uh, reconnaissance copters, it's really hard to do any kind of maneuvers. and War is everything about maneuvers, basically. Since you try to do any kind of maneuver, as we see, the Ukrainians try to do it now offensive maneuvers well it won't be a success just because (laughs) the enemy will see you before you will even try to make a fist from tanks and our armored vehicles well at least it's my opinion yeah
0: and what sort of injuries were you seeing coming back off the front lines
1: Well, 9 out of 10 injuries are injuries made by artillery or landmines. Basically everything out there is mined. And there are a lot of different kind of Soviet and Western now landmines uh, against infantry and against transport. Uh, I could really just count on my fingers how many guys got any kind of bullet wounds not talking even about close quarter knife wounds or something like that because uh, it's just an artillery warfare out there people shoot each other with huge guns and that's it mm.
0: and you mentioned earlier that you know on the very beginning of the war you finished your shift and went to sign up at the um recruitment draft office what was the feeling of why were you signing up to spite Ukraine? And as you, as you mentioned, the occupation or to support your comrades?
1: Well, it was, uh, let's say, uh, huge uh, options and reasons why I joined the Special Military Liberation. First of all, I'm a patriot of my nation and my country. I love my Russian civilization, I love my people, I love my bloodline. Uh, I've seen a lot of Russophobia in my life because I've been living in the Middle East for some time and basically my parents are from the post-Soviet territories. I know that those Russian people who live in Ukraine, who are living in stress, well, basically from the first day of the Soviet collapse. Unfortunately enough, for my country and for my nation, uh, we live in truly dark times. A lot of basically separatist governments, like Ukraine or Moldova, some pre-Baltic, or the East, the Central East Asia, are just remnants from the Russian Empire. Basically, they they are separatists. They are dissidents of the Soviet republics who rebelled against the uh, Russian Empire. Not that I truly love the empire or want to have a monarchy out here. <laughs> no, I do respect my civilization and I respect my ter- territories because during the last three or four hundred years, our ancestors, our forefathers, spilled blood for these lands moreover they lived there (laughs) because basically ukraine is well it's a modern construct made by the bolsheviks unfortunately enough for them and for us as well the eastern lands of ukraine are basically just russia the southern parts to you, the northern parts kiev is the mother of all russian cities basically it's just a collapse of the old world for me and i don't want that for my civilization <laughs> secondly i'm an orthodox christian unfortunately most of the most radical ukrainians are not orthodox and they basically attack our priests, destroy our churches, and try to subjugate them to the more Western Ukrainian churches. I, I think they're called. Not sure how it's spelled on English. <laughs> okay. And let me one more time uh, say sorry for butchering your language. Unfortunately, it's not my mother tongue, (laughs) so my pronunciation isn't as good. (laughs) You've done well. Thirdly, a lot of my friends and comrades live here, live in Donetsk, and for the last eight years, for the last nine years already, they experienced basically terror against them, against their will to live in Russia. Um, People could uh, say a lot about the Ukrainian Maidan that happened already nine years ago. Somebody approves it, somebody disapproves it, but for me, that was just a, let's say, separatist government mutiny. I didn't care about it. That's Russia. Those lands are Russian. Thirdly, unfortunately enough for the world and everybody, <laughs> I'm a Cossack. <laughs> it would be quite strange for a Cossack not to fight on the Russia's side. Well, we don't like Bolsheviks, Communists or Liberals. We don't like Pagans and Atheists. And there are a lot of those in the trenches fighting for the Russian side. But we do love our motherland, and we will fight for it, especially against people who basically enslaved themselves to the new world order of cultural Marxism, of sodomy, Why shouldn't I fight against the global homo, let's call it like that, yeah? When I have a few sons in my family. I have two beautiful children. I want them to live in a world where there won't be any kind of sin for them. I want them to live a peaceful, nice life. Unfortunately enough, if I hadn't joined the war, I wouldn't be a good far because I wouldn't give them the example of fighting the good side, of fighting the war on the good side. That's the third reason. and To be honest, I I don't know how to answer it anymore because I've run out of arguments I could tell on English.
0: <laughs> That's all right. So you talk of... You know, that Ukraine was part of Russia, but you see that Russia is the aggressor state in this. How do you feel about this? You you say, like, that you want your sons to grow up in in peace, in, you know, a good um, environment. But wouldn't have that been the case if Russia didn't then invade the neighbouring country? Like, wasn't Russia at reasonable peace before this?
1: Well, first of all, Russia is just liberating its lands from separatists. Secondly, every Orthodox Christian needs to know how to stand up for himself, because if you don't have a sword, sell your own shirt and buy a sword. If you don't stand up for your ideals, if you don't stand up for who you are, for God, well, nobody will do that for you. God doesn't has our hands than yours. It's quite unfortunate that we need to choose violence over diplomacy, but sometimes it's the only option to defend ourselves from future actions that could lead to a more violent case of our destruction. I'm not happy that my country decided to liberate Ukraine through invasion, through violence and war. But unfortunately, if it is the case, it is the case. And I just had to join it because, well, (laughs) that's my country, that's my nation. Those boys that are fighting the war at the moment, those my brothers, not because they kill the Hohels, like somebody would have said, but because those guys are doing everything from stopping the Western expansion of the global homo.
0: Right. But what if Ukraine wanted to be a separate state? Why would it? Well, the majority of Ukrainians, maybe, you know, there's argument in the East, but the majority of Ukrainians were swinging towards
1: The The same reasons why wealth will never leave the Great Britain. The same reasons why Catalonia will never leave Spain or Texas will never leave the United States of America. It might be possible for different regions to have their own separatist governments for some period of history, but I don't see the epic results positive for anybody. In the long time game, unfortunately, Ukraine is just a useless state, just like Moldova is. They are connected to Russia throughout all of their history. They are part of our culture, they are part of our history. And I just don't see reasons, nor options for them to live independently. They don't have the resources, they don't have any kind of, let's say, future possibilities to become a superpower. They will just become vassals to the European Union or to Germany in case we talk about European Union as a super force. They might become vassals for the United States of America. That's even a worse option, I think, for the people of Ukraine. Um, I don't want Russian people there to experience the horrors of becoming a vassal from somebody who isn't part of their culture. Because i've seen iraq i've seen iran i've seen a lot of different countries that were fighting the united states or got conquered by it and unfortunately the common people are not happy at all well except maybe for iran (laughs) they even though live in the not most let's say economically developed state But at least those guys, well, they are quite happy in their lives. They live it in safety, in my opinion, at least. (laughs) Yeah,
0: right. And that that justifies then the war into Ukraine. And, you know, we've seen many thousands, tens of thousands of Russian lives lost fighting Ukraine. That is just to do that.
1: Unfortunately, I don't think I should tell my opinion about the work of our generals. They are quite unfortunate of commanders. (laughs) No, I don't want to justify the deaths of tens of thousands of my comrades, but unfortunately for the world, Too much people died to just stop liberating these lands. Basically, it will be just a meat grinder without any result. What's the point of all this special military operation if we will stop it, sign up a peace treaty, and give up those lands who are lawfully ours? It's more than strange. It's stupid. <laughs> right. So
0: back onto yourself. When did you first enter the front line? What was your experience with that? When you first were at war.
1: Oh, we have a great Russian verb for that. Yeah, wheel. <laughs> right. I got. Kinda scared, because let's be honest, um, war is always scary, especially in the battle zone, especially when you hear huge artillery shells exploding. It makes you tremble, it makes you feel how weak you are and that you're nothing but a small insect on the map of a grand strategy gamer that has a few issues in his head and doesn't quite understand what he is doing, <laughs> because doesn't have the full control, <laughs> you see. I felt a lot of different emotions, but basically I could have... I have learned how to control them. Uh, basically, that's one of the basics you need to learn as a medic. How to overcome your fear, your stress, and keep working. Well, I've kept working, thankfully. <laughs> I've did my best to save as much injured men as possible. Moreover, I've a few times even gave help to civilians, even though I didn't have the luxury of having a lot of medical resources on me. Basically, it was just a small mm, a small bag a small rucksack filled with different bondages and pharmacology. But still, I tried to do my best to help out my brothers in arms and those civilians who had the unfortunate to stay in the battle zone and didn't evacuate for different reasons. Mostly those are just grannies and grandpas who are left and abandoned by their children and they didn't have the power to leave and evacuate themselves by themselves
0: right did you treat any ukrainian soldiers
1: um the thing is i didn't quite entered the enemy trenches I'm a qualified medic. I'm too qualified to be as a paramedic in a squad which jumps inside the enemy trenches or storms the buildings, you see? That's why I didn't quite had the situations when I was face to face with the enemy. I've seen them They've seen me, <laughs> we've even shot each other, at least our figurines. <laughs> but I'm not sure that I missed them, that I shot them and vice versa. And basically, I didn't have the chance to uh, give them any kind of medical help. Anyways, I did treat a few prisoners of war and sure why not if you have the spare medications do it because it's the right thing to do
0: yeah and how is your experience with the treatment of ukrainian pow's once they've been taken prisoners by the russian forces because we've seen multiple videos come out of mistreatment all the way through to executions what do you make of that and what was your experience with that
1: It'll be okay? We'll smoke?
0: Yeah, absolutely, go for it.
1: Well, let's, first of all, let's remember that this is war, you see? It's a battle zone, a special military operation, people are stressed, outnerved, they are scared. A lot of men, even with weaponry, even who are living the life of a mercenary, are scared because you can get killed by a by a small instance, by a shell, by anything, even by your own comrades who mistook you for the enemy. Everybody is stressed out. When you get the chance to capture a prisoner of war, it does. It doesn't matter how. Did he uh, stop having ammunition, ran out of ammunition, did he got injured or just decided to put his hands up and go uh, get himself captive. You're still full of adrenaline. I don't want to say that it's good to punch an enemy even uh, to punch a imprisoned enemy, but I understand why people do that, you see. My division was quite professional. I don't remember anyone from my division, especially from my battalion, mistreating a prisoner of war. Well, we could give them a small punch on the head for being the idiot. Why did you take up arms? Go home, idiot. Uh, we did feed them, um, gave them cigarettes. Even the thing is, uh, I don't remember that anybody of our boys torturing enemies. Mm. I don't know, mate. <laughs> That's a real hard question. Uh, they there were instances. On our front line that mm, super aggressive boys full of adrenaline, uh, tortured or even killed prisoners of war, but from the perspective of a medic in a battalion, well, I didn't see it happen. Yeah. mistreatment well what kind of mistreatment can you get in the war zone oh my god he called me and gave me a punch in the face is that a mistreatment if on the other front line somebody is cutting a head off well i don't know
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's a difficult case but there's definitely been a lot of instances of that, and we, we saw as well in the beginning of this conflict when Russia entered, well, the outskirts of Kiev, Bucha, Erpen, that there was, you know, some grave humanitarian disasters around massacres, civilians being killed,
1: horrific uh, horrific. As far act. as I know, as far as I know, uh, a lot of civilians were standing in columns to get humanitarian aid from our boys which bring uh, which bring meals ready to eat and were giving away it for the civilians that was the time when our columns were withdrawn from the operation and uh, they tried to give away everything they had food war some clothes, other stuff, like generators. And the civilians who got themselves in not such a good situation as being on, in liberated, freshly liberated lands, they just uh, were standing and trying to get more help, more food and more stuff from the soldiers. And at that moment, somebody uh, called, told the coordinates and artillery pieces were shot into that column. Uh, That's why a lot of civilians got butchered by basically their own military. Uh, Our military doctrine, especially when we talk about artillery, needs to have a strong hierarchy if somebody calls up for artillery well first he calls his battalion commander then the battalion commander will call the division commander and the division commander might give an order for the uh, artillery battalion to start working on on some kind of coordination or he will first of all uh, give the information to the army commander and only then if the army commander approves, will start doing any kind of artillery interference to the bell. Uh, when, When a battalion commander or especially a division commander hears, or a regiment commander hears that there are civilians in an area, especially in the first month of this conflict. Well, the last thing he will do is command the artillery to shoot that place. Um, our officers, especially those who are higher than a column, they are very, well, basically they look after what they do. And if they understand that because of their actions, the journalists will start um, portraying the military as butchers, well, they they will never agree for such a command. I don't see any kind of option in which our men, our soldiers, would have been torturing, butchering and killing civilians. In my opinion, the Butcher Massacre, so-called, is just a huge psyop made by Ukrainian nationalists, especially by those guys who are in the command, war in the command of those guys like Maluta, maybe. (laughs) Basically, a huge psyop made by Ukrainian neo-Nazis.
0: There's been a lot of talk around psyops and even some pushback in within Russia as well so you mentioned earlier and a big running of um, Donetsk and people saying that Donetsk was shelled for years and years and years and of course there is evidence of this but only recently leader of Wagner PMC Evgeny Prigozhin has come out and said basically to, to butcher his words but to say that that was wasn't really happening that there wasn't much evidence of this
1: I didn't quite understood the question, to be honest. Sorry.
0: um, There seems to be a lot of information and people saying about PSYOPs, and one of the main ones is that Donetsk city was shelled by the Ukrainians for a number of years, well, since 14, since the occupation by Russia. But even up to Yevgeny Prigozhin, the leader of Wagner, has said that this wasn't quite the case. There's a lot of misinformation going around. Mm,
1: Depending on the opinion and the point of view, you can look on this information with different perspective. Uh, I'm not sure why Prigozhin started working and talking like a Western, uh, like a Western politic. But unfortunately, from my point of view, and those men and women who I know came from Donetsk and Donetsk Neurodi Respublika, well, there were a lot of shelling happening. And there are a few neighborhoods in Donetsk that will not that were never even uh, fixed or repaired because the shellings continued for nearly eight years without any kind of stop mm. there are a lot of psyops of course somebody will exaggerate the shellings or the terroristic acts but basically we're talking about the special military operation at the moment and uh, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> the types are everything. It's part of the war.
0: Yeah. Will you re-enter the special military operation?
1: Um. It depends on my impulsive character. <laughs> well,
0: why did why did you why did you withdraw in the beginning? Why aren't you there now?
1: Well, first of all, I signed up for a contract for six months and it just expired. I came back home after the six months of spending at war. Um, My wife gave birth to my second son. Uh, She was pregnant while I was at war. Afterwards, well, basically... I understood that I need to provide for my family and be near them because my wife's family and my family, to be honest, are a long way in a long distance from us. And basically, I'm the only adult of our family that can't help. (laughs) Yes. So I decided just at least for a year or two help her with raising the second boy.